Are you listening to it or are you just watching me intently? Yeah. No. No, I'm listening to it. So, episode number one of our podcast. Name pending. Name pending. Name pending. To be honest, I totally forgot what we were gonna what we were gonna do a podcast about. It was something yeah. it had something to do with music, and that's about all I knew. Yeah, I think um, I think music's a good topic. Maybe this first podcast is us talking about the podcast, right? That's good. Should we yeah. introduce ourselves, or should we be mysterious people of the internet? No, let's uh, let's introduce ourselves. All right. All right. You can go first. Oh, I was gonna say, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> Uh, I guess I'll go first. I'm right. Riley McGarity, the yeah, sound guy. The sound guy. I mix bands and stuff. <laughs> Do stuff. What are, who are you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who are you? I, uh, I am Joshua Penrod, and I am a music producer and a singer-songwriter from pretty much all over the place. From all over the place. Not even... From all over the place currently stationed in chicago chicago but i in about five days will be no longer in chicago and i will be in north carolina that's awesome north yep. carolina all right north, so yeah. uh, topics for the podcast topics for the podcast um music things would be good yeah i think we'll talk about music probably we'll a lot talk about we talk about music a lot we do we do and i, and I think we're going to do something where like I analyzed it, you know, a little bit more musically and lyrically, and you you kind of broke down why it worked sonically and musically the way that it did. Yeah. So maybe in our show notes we will have tracks for people to listen to as they go through this podcast, and we'll say, "Hey, we're going to talk about this track next." All right. We're just going to improv this. Yeah. Let's improv it. Come on, Josh. All right. All right. What song should we do, Tyrus? Um, Tyrus gets to pick our first song. Oh, Tyrus is picking our first song. Am I? Yep, you're oh picking gosh. it. The pressure. Um, do I want something funny or actually serious? Um, probably actually serious. Like I'm not Dang. trying to, okay. to listen to tiptoe through the tulips. You know. <laughs> we could analyze Honestly, that. That would know, be like painful. Or something like that. Just yeah. something silly. Um, I uh, trying to think something that you you really enjoy. So what's a John Mayer song? We could do we could do some John Mayer. Although Riley, we could do Mumford and Sons. Ooh, Mumford, Mumford and Sons. Oh, okay, that's really technical, but I'm down. What song from so Mumford and Sons? There are many good ones. I like the Cave. Um, classic. I feel like we should probably keep it like recent, you know. So you want to do, Woman? We could do Woman. Sure. Yeah. Oh, should we do one that that neither one of us have ever heard before, Riley? I, okay, I have to. I'm gonna admit right now, I have not heard Woman yet. I haven't heard Woman either, so. So how about that? Woman's single version? All right, just waiting for Josh to call me back. Back, back on, back live. Back I'm again. Live. All right. Um, first impressions of the song. I, um, I like how, it, how basically the whole song is very, uh, it's, it's very classic Mumford & Sons to a degree. It's, it's simple. Um, they have kind of like that the droning two-note um, thing that they were playing throughout the entire thing, which was very 
reminiscent of, let me see. Um, so Mumford, Marcus Mumford did um, a track on something called the Basement Tapes, um, which are old. Are those the things I forget that, um, if they are, what's his name, Bob Dylan did? Yeah, I think they're old Bob Dylan songs, and they he did a song, um, When I Get My Hands on You, and it was like very, kind of a similar type idea, where it's just very basic. So anyway, so I enjoyed the I enjoyed the melodic motifs because they were still very poppy and very catchy um, at the same time, and I'd have to listen to it listen to it again um, to say for sure. But I, I loved how each section had its kind of own individual thing going on with it, um, and it was also I think brilliant on Marcus Mumford's part with his with his lyrics um his lyrics are always like very metaphorical but at the same time very relatable um yep this this listeners is where you'll start finding the differences between me and josh because he focuses on things like lyrics and i did not i do at all all the time um cupped hand is burning ice tangled up in morning white do you ever really know can you ever really know um i think i think it's cool because it paints a a very like clear picture of waking up in a bed with somebody, but in like a very, very new, new way. Um, but yeah, first impressions of the song. I think honestly, I, I like, I like the way that Mumford and Sons has, has kind of melded the folk with the pop and how they've kind of gone away from their acoustic driven stuff. And most of the time I, I would not. That would not be my preference. I'm a, I'm an acoustic based artist, and so that would not be first and foremost what I prefer. But I like um, I like that they've gone to a little bit more of an electric and, and digital digital sound. I think that they fused fused like I said fused kind of the pop and folk thing really really well, and are still pioneering a lot of the things yeah. in that genre. Yeah. So. No, I agree with that. I think. Um they did much more of a pop mix than a folk mix, um, kind of on that side. A folk mix is much more heavy on the um, acoustic and string parts, and there was a lot more. But some of that low synth stuff, I also like the backbeat they had. It was more of an 808 um, backbeat than a traditional mm-hmm. kind of like jazzy kit that a folk group would use. Um, it's it's almost uh, like if they took a, a four on the floor song. Yeah. And then made made Bob Dylan sing it and slowed it way down. Oh yeah, no, I mean I could tell you if you if you sped that up, it would definitely be like a four and a four pop pop beat. But they mm-hmm. they just chilled it back and it was really cool. I think um, you can hear a lot of stuff. Uh, this is definitely falls in the category for me of like a post process song. It's not really something that you would expect everything live to be played live. Um, they definitely are using tracks here and. Um, their string orchestration is really good. I really like that. Um, some other notes I have. I, the vocals. This this popped out to me. He definitely has drier vocals. Um, yeah. And, and that kind of is contradictory to almost all pop music um, now, at least with a lot of it. And and folk music. Folk music tends to use more verb too, um, just to make it sound more natural, more open. But uh, he uses dry vocals a lot, and I think they use verb to emphasize kind of the dynamics of the song. It, it stretches more, um, like obviously the verb stretches out more during during his up parts than than when they're down. But I think they're using that as a dynamic um, device and not just leaving it kind of static like a lot of things would. And I I love too what they do 
with his voice in the mix because I think specifically, I think the lower end of his of his register, which he uses predominantly in this song, I think it would be very easy for that to get lost in a mix and get overshadowed, especially when you have so many heavy, um, like four on the floor bass tones. Um, and so I think the way that they kind of had his lower vocals pop, and he never really, um, usually he uses like a lot of the full dynamic of his of his range, um, and he never really went up at all in in the song. Yeah. Um, it it really stayed like pretty mediocre, and like dynamically with his voice, he really didn't do a whole heck of a lot. So I think the way that they were still able to make that vocal performance shine and give it something. Um, it, 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 it the melody was such that it never became really mundane. Yep. You know, kind of like what I was talking about before, where they have the different motifs for each section, and uh, and so I think they were placed well. I think the arrangement of the song is such that that even though vocally not a lot is happening, there was enough that it kept it interesting. Yeah, and this this kind of goes back to the whole pop thing for me. Um, just the way they mixed the track helped it to be dynamic, and it was a lot more about the the post-process mix than necessarily how the music changed because I think a lot of the music stayed the same. Um, and if you listen to it um, more in detail, it would probably, I, I mean, I've only listened to it once now, obviously, so I can't speak a lot into this, but it's probably a lot of the same stuff. Like the chord progression probably doesn't change too much and like the dynamics in the actual instruments probably doesn't change too much, but they are moving things in and out different ways in the mix to make it feel more dynamic and doing things to his voice like the verb to make it feel more dynamic and i think that's a really good kind of neat trick that mumford used in in their processing and in their production to make it make it more of a dynamic song with something more laid back and chill and i think it does really really well i would agree i would agree with that completely yeah it's a good trial run uh let's let's move on to something something we both know how about we were talking about uh head full of dreams the coldplay uh, documentary yeah. movie that's on Amazon Prime. Not sponsors of the show. We have no sponsors for this show. We're not cool. But uh, we're not famous. But you should go check that out. It's a really cool documentary if you haven't seen it. All right. um, so maybe let's uh, let's do some Coldplay. Let's see. Um, we could do. Let's see. We could do. We could do Everglow. Everglow. All right. We're back. We're back. We just listened to Everglow. Hopefully you did too. Um, I'll go ahead and start if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Um, first off, I just love Chris Martin's voice. It's my favorite, mm-hmm. my favorite male yeah. vocal. Um, super clean, super well done, really well composed. This is a super simple song, and I love its simplicity because they do a lot of things on the production side. Um, obviously, that make it feel really, really well done. But this, unlike the the song we just did with um, Mumford and Sons, doesn't feel like a process song to me. Um, yeah. This feels very natural and very clean. I feel like this goes over live really well. Um, obviously, it does. They have it in their live albums, I think, twice in yeah. their productions, and 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 that really speaks and is a testament to how much they like this song. Like, if it's in their live stuff then obviously they're they're enjoying playing the song and enjoying seeing the crowds listening to the song so yeah and i think that coldplay overall puts on probably the the best live show in i i would dare say almost all of music now um and and i think ironically enough mumford and sons is is up there 
with it, but I mean, like, even the testament to the fact that they can put out several live albums as a band and sound just as tight knit, if not even better than they do in the studio record, I think, I think is huge. Um, and what I love about Coldplay's tracks is that they have such a good mix of what they do live um, versus what is backtracked that it never sounds overprocessed because their whole like none of their songs are completely dependent on on a backing track. You know, I, I feel like Coldplay really uses a backing track for what it was meant to do. You know, if if the backing track were to fail, they could still do every part of their show if they wanted to, but they really use it as something to boost their performance. Whereas I feel like in a lot of of other other pop performances, it's like you take the backing track out and eighty percent of the song is gone. Yeah. Um, whereas I, I feel like Coldplay really does use it as an added effect. Cause I mean, you even see it with the different versions of Everglow, which they've done with, um, with magic and several other songs on previous records where you can still strip Everglow completely down. And because of Chris Martin's expertise and his piano playing, um, can still kind of convey that same emotion and same feeling as it does with a full band, you know? Yeah. What, what I find cool too about this song um especially is just they do use all their instruments um it does feel very stripped down and very like laid back but if you listen really closely i mean you can hear the guitar you can hear the bass um and you can hear that really soft um just chill backbeat on the drums um that just kind of keeps the whole thing moving um but really most of it is just chris martin's piano yeah josh is making faces again yeah, I've got Jordan is joining us on the on the podcast. Oh, cool. Hello. Welcome. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think Coldplay musically, um, again, like we said, is, is one of the best out there. And I think uh, lyrically, this is probably my one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, he actually wrote um, part of this song with his ex, Gwyneth Paltrow, and this whole song is about their entire relationship. Um, uh, let me see where that line is. Here, while you're looking that up, I'm just going to talk about some cool um, production stuff that's happening. Um, something that I, I noticed right away um, in this song that's a little different from most songs and doesn't get used enough, honestly, um, is just the use of panning. Um, they do, I mean, a lot of songs you'll hear, they do panning, but it tends to be pretty static or it's like a, a single embellishment on a really cool line or something at the beginning. Um, yeah. But really thoroughly throughout Coldplay, they use a lot of panning and it's a lot of um, like motion. It's not, it's never static. I almost never hear a Coldplay song where the piano stays in the same exact place or the drums stay in the same exact place. Um, they do a lot with it, and um, especially on this song because Chris Martin's piano is so present. Um, just to make it feel like it's doing something different, they use panning a lot. And if you listen really closely, you can hear. Um, I think they split his left hand and right hand, um, if I'm not mistaken. And it almost feels like anything he's playing on the lower register in his left hand is in your left ear. And anything he's playing on the higher register in, your right, in his right hand is in your right ear. Um, but what's cool is because the song moves around so much on the register, um, it feels like the piano itself is kind of moving in the room, and it really brings an interesting dynamic to to how that's being played and the way you perceive it. Um, and it. And it feels like you're sitting at the piano with Chris Martin as he's playing Everglow to you softly while you fall asleep <laughs> on his piano. Do you think that 
any of that translates into like their live shows and that's what makes their live shows so anthemic as well yeah yeah i I definitely would say so um i know uh, i can look it up um their sound guy's really talented as well i've heard a lot of his podcast stuff and um, he does stuff on youtube as well um but yeah he talks a lot about how the different roles instruments play is super important to how the show feels um and to generate that dynamic you gotta got to divvy it up and that's one of the ways they do it is through panning live so sorry continue with your lyrical i don't know no i think i think yeah like i said i think this song lyrically is probably one of um my favorites of all time i think he mixes a lot of metaphor when you know when you read it straight up it's kind of hard to to dive into um and hard to understand but i think when it is mixed with the overall um, overall feel of the song, I think, translates really, really well. What's up, Sam Boy? Let's just see what song we're talking about. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, there's a line in here that it's the one that Gwyneth Paltrow wrote, um, and it talks about, it says, how come things move on, how come cars go slow when it feels like it's the end of my world? Mm-hmm. And I feel, like, I feel like Chris Martin as a whole... Um, really captures feeling well in, in a lot of his lyrics and he really is a master of of saying you know what we all feel when we're going through especially in this song when you when you go through a breakup or losing someone that that you love you know and, and capturing that that whole feeling of like everything else is moving on but my whole world is slowed down and all I want to do is, is to have the world stop and I think that he um, he captures that in in so many different metaphorical ways. There's a line um, before that that says, like, brothers in blood or sisters who ride. We swore on that night we'd be friends till we died. You know, and, and it's just these these metaphors that, that are not common that, that really, I think, are are such a testament to why artistry and different perspective um, and being unique to who you are and the abilities that you have and the way that you write and the way that you produce is so important because he says things in such a way that nobody else has said them before. And I feel like that's because he really owns his perspective as an artist and is not afraid to use a metaphor, even though it might not a hundred percent translate like something normally would. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I feel like that's why it works really, really well. Yeah. And I think, um, they just do some really cool things in here to try and emphasize what he's doing lyrically um obviously like the band's chilled back so this very relaxed song is very um is very emotional and very meant to be emotional um but then they do a lot of things yeah they use that little vocal riff um to kind of draw into those verses um and it's just something interesting to draw the ear in as you lead into like emotional lyrics and and impactful lyrics and so um, he does a lot with that, and then they use the backing vocals to kind of emphasize words here and there. They don't use it consistently, um, which I think is a phenomenal choice on the production standpoint um, to to just use the backing vocals as like a embellishment on certain words, um, and and that really helps emphasize that emotion in those lyrics. And I think what what helps um, Coldplay stand out as a band in general is you listen to their music and it all seems very methodical in, in the sense that it feels like everything from every word written down to every 
every note played, every effect added. I feel like they they add only you know they they add only what they need, and everything that they do musically is intentional. You know, there's there's not one thing that they that they leave in um, because they you know because they didn't want to take the time and effort to, to, to take it out. And they, you know, they only add things when they know it's going to enhance the song. And I think that is what makes them so iconic is that everything is so intentional. And I think that the, that they really make sure that sonically everything is where it should be. And that when it's right musically, they make sure the, the lyrics kind of support the music and the music supports the lyrics. And I think that that, that that is very rare, um, in any any sort of musical acts today, I think in, in a generation that is so built upon um, you know builds and drops, for lack of better terms, and, the, and there's so much that goes on, especially in pop music with the production, which I love and which I'm a huge fan of. Um, but I think sometimes I think sometimes lyrics get undervalued, and I think sometimes you see in more of like the the folk type music um you see a, a huge emphasis on melody and lyrics but musically there's really not a lot going on um yeah and and not to say that any of that is bad i think each one has its place and that's why we have certain genres certain genres focus more on different things but i think it's beautiful when you find an artist like Coldplay, or even i would say john bellion's another one where really lyrics are placed so intentionally in ways um to support what the music is doing and the music is also there to support the lyric. Um, and I think when you, when you really look at a band that a has been doing it for a long time and B is a very hardworking band, I think there's something to be said for because of how to a degree music is so easily produced, um, nowadays. And you really can to a certain extent, hop on a beat, make up a decent melody and then put it out on the radio. Um, there is something to be said for a band that actually really works at what they do. And I think, I think that's the difference too. I mean, so much now we see performers that are, that are solo artists. You really don't see a lot of bands coming around. Um, and I think that's just the difference between a band and a solo artist when each member of the band takes their job and their specific part so seriously, and they're able to come together and, and bring that into one conglomeration that is a song. So you get these uniquely, thought out individualistic parts that they've fused together to become one. Um, and so you have the intimacy with each part that you don't necessarily get with, you know, one songwriter in the room, a pop vocalist and a producer, you know, it just, it doesn't work the same. And it's not to say that, that those songs are bad or, or have any less quality wise, but it's just a different feel when you get an actual band together that plays. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Real quick, because I want to try and hit maybe one more song. Um, but I want to take this a totally different direction for that third song. Um, yeah, so as part of this podcast, I think um, we're what, our goal will probably be to hit a couple of genres. Um, and, and probably not all at once. We'll probably do a theme a week. But um, yeah, just to kind of mix things up, I think I want to move. We've done folk pop. We've done... Yeah, we have rock pop which is really just pop pop um i think we should do some uh punk pop yeah i I know yeah i knew (laughs) i had a i had a feeling i had a feeling all right what song are we doing 
going to go listen to. How about My House? That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Probably the first song I ever heard from them. Yeah, that's funny. I haven't, I haven't listened to that. Do you not? Do you not like Oh, no, I do. I, I love all those. I love all these records. And we're back. And we are back. We're back. Back from Paris. Paris. Spelled P-V-R-I-S for everyone who typed it in. P-A-R-I-S. Pervertidus. Pervertidus. <laughs> Just kidding. It's Paris. Paris. They're cool. They're, they're punk. They're hip. They're pop. They're really not punk. I have a bunch of friends who like punk who would probably curse, curse me you for saying that. Punk. But they're punk enough for me. <laughs> oh, Paris. What a household name. Um... I, I mean, disclaimer, I, I love basically everything Paris does. I don't think that there's been a song that I've heard that I, I really dislike, but I, I also can say I've never, I've never listened to them as closely as I did this, this pass through. Um, disclaimer, I'm probably going to crush Josh's dreams yep. with my analysis. Probably. Um, yeah, I, I like a lot of what they do. I think something that I noticed about House well, you always notice that she, the, that Lynn Gunn writes with all these like very cryptic, um, what's the word I'm I'm looking for? Like paranormal activity kind of yeah. of lyrics, and and it kind of blankets their entire album. Um, you're feeling you in the walls, a little weird. You're a cold air creeping in, <laughs> chilling to my bones and skin. I kind of think that yep. she fantasizes about ghosts in half of her songs. And maybe that's the point. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's fair. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah, this is this is where I crushed Josh's dream. This sounds to me like it was mixed by a five-year-old. <laughs> because nothing does anything in this song. Um, yeah, no, I'm just being honest. I really am. Um, it sounds like the, the guitars sit in the same place, the drums sit in the same place. Her voice kind of does some cool layering stuff, but really it just sounds like they kicked on the Logic Chorus plug-in, and, and, and that, that was it. And that mix, to me, I mean, it, it felt underwhelming for what the song was. I felt like they could have done more. It, and it probably doesn't help them that we just came out of Coldplay and Mumford and & Sons, where they do a lot with their mixes. Um but on the, on the contrast to that, that probably makes them very good live. Um, I would be willing to bet that seeing them live, which I haven't, so I will say that. Um, but seeing them live is probably a good experience because it probably sounds a lot like these tracks. Um, it's not that hard to pull off as long as your musicians are, are good enough to play it, and I'm guessing they are because they're professionals. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it, it felt like nothing was happening in the mix at all. The mix didn't move to me really all that much it sounded like the drums um did the classic drum split i mean you you put high tom on the left low tom on the right you you split your cymbals left and right for the different crashes and ride and um other than that snares and center kicks and center and 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 that's it and that's something i learned way back like probably my first or second year mixing um so so i would say that this could have had a lot more done to it and it didn't um, that being said, it was only their like, I think this is their second album, maybe. This their I think White Noise is their first. I think this is their first full album. They had a bunch of singles and little mini two-track EPs, but yeah, that was really their first album. So, 
so yeah, I mean, for a first album, that's a good that's a good take on it. And I mean, they are signed artists, so I mean, they're doing better than I am. So <laughs> I think, but and and there is like I was watching um, or I read an interview with Lynn Gunn a while ago because a lot of um, I guess a lot of the Paris haters claimed that that they used a ghostwriter for most of their lyrics and melodies and even like some of their band parts and they kind of addressed that um saying that they actually mixed and did a lot of like the post-production work and a lot of like the synth work and things like that and even some drum production on a laptop using um a little akai mini keyboard yeah, sure, we'll call it a keyboard. MIDI controller, that's the word I'm looking for. MIDI controller. So, so she was talking about how they they really recorded a lot of that in 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 a tour bus. And I feel like out of all the genres that you would try to record in a tour bus, this electro-pop punk rock genre would be the worst to try and record in a tour bus. It's, it's one thing to get, you know, a couple decent vocals down, an acoustic guitar, and maybe some, you know, electric lead in a tour bus, but it's a whole other thing to try to do this big production, you know, while you're going 75 miles an hour down the middle of a Texas highway. So I feel like, I feel like that is part of it. But I feel like, you know, at the same time, it's also the musician's job to realize, you know, and, and to have, you know, a mixing standard and things like that too. So it's like, even if you demo stuff out on, on the bus, I feel like there, there should be a little bit more to it. Um, yeah, and and honestly, I I used to have that opinion of like, oh, well, knowing the story and saying like, oh, they did this on a tour bus makes it okay. Um, and I honestly have gotten away from that. And this is totally pretentious of me, but uh I feel like if uh if you're a professional artist and you're touring, um it, it's not an excuse for bad production. Um and I get they're just starting out and like mad credit to them because I do love a lot of their stuff and I don't mind listening to it at all. Um, but I would say, yeah, just being on a tour bus isn't an excuse for, for light production. I think um, some of this is laziness, but I also highly respect how it turned out. And and I just harped on a bunch of what I see as bad things, but um, I, I'd like to say some good things about it too. I mean, um, they do use really cool like effect sounds, like that whole zombies siren thing is really cool. Um, and and the tones they have on the guitars, um, while the guitars were kind of underwhelming in the mix, the tones they used I really liked. Yeah. I, I thought they were very um, clean and crisp, but still had a nice feel to them and helped fill out the space. Um, and I saw you wrote ethereal feel, and I agree with that. I think they did a really good job at capturing. Um, that paranormal lyric in their in their music, um, and whether or not that was a ghostwriter, I don't really care about that. Um, if people do, I don't know why you do. Everyone has ghostwriters at every level, um, and you probably listen to music that people have ghostwrited anyway. So you shouldn't care so much about that. Um, if people are performing it well, then they're performing it well. Um, but I will say, I think they did a really good job. Whoever wrote it to make it feel like the lyrics and the, and the music matched really well. So, and I think I have good and bad things to say, but I think that one thing that Paris does really well is they create kind of like this, like these intimate moments within tracks that, that realistically should, you know, blow your doors off. Um, and they, Lynn Gunn does a really good job of lyrically and even with the melodies that she chooses in really creating moments that bring the listener close in and, and kind of has this like softness to her 
that then translates really well to when they go into their big drops and their drum breaks and and different things. So I think they do that really well. Um, one thing I noticed about this song is that each section of the song kind of made the song seem disjointed. Like the the verse and the bridge and the chorus all seemed like three separate sections. And almost like they were just kind of written at different times and then spliced to like put in the same key and then spliced together rather than something that was like one cohesive song. You can even tell like musically when they transition, it's almost like they pulled it off well and it, it doesn't sound bad, but it almost seems like they kind of had these breaks in there like, oh, well, it'll work because I don't really know how else we'd transition into it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and I think part of this comes down to that mix being poor um i think instrumentally this song does do a lot of cool things and those three sections could have been tighter knit together if there was some sort of mixing element to help kind of merge those two feelings um which isn't super easy to do i'm not saying it is um i mean obviously there are tons of professional producers out there that'll tell you it's not easy to do at all um, but I do think that a little more work on the mix side would have made those things a little more knit together. That being said, um, I do like some of the stuff they do. Those that hard drop where she comes in and she has those layered vocals. Um, it is really neat and and I think that's a cool idea. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It does feel a little disjointed here. And I think part of that could be, you know, how how and when they wrote this song and and I think that is the difference between you know, writing on the road and being able to sit down and actually go into a studio or even just going into a room and ha having writing sessions. You know, I know, I know that there are a lot of professional, professional writers that, that will go and, you know, they'll write two or three lines to a song, save it in their phone and then, you know, write two or three more lines. And then once they kind of have it all together and it's, you know, almost like this Frankenstein way of writing lyrics and writing melody, which sometimes it works really well, but I think sometimes can make the song sound disjointed because it wasn't written at one time and it wasn't even necessarily written in the same frame of mind or in the same kind of melodic style. Um, and so I think sometimes it works, but I think sometimes it can lead to a song sounding disjointed just as this one tends to. Yeah. I will say for the album though, because um, I've I listened to this album cover to cover, more than once um for this album though it's very cohesive um at least in feeling across the board they have a good grasp on on um they have a really good grasp on their sound which i think is is unique to find in especially like a first record um and not that necessarily artists won't know what genre they're they're hitting but i think there sometimes you listen to first records and like instruments are kind of all over the place and it's almost like they're still trying to figure out what sound they're going for where I think Paris really did a good job of putting in their time to figure out what sound they wanted and engineered it to that degree and then really hit the nail on the head when they produced the record. Um, so I think to have that foresight as, you know, as well as they did. And I think what's neat too is that, you know, I've listened to this record wall to wall yeah, more than once. And I've listened to basically all of their acoustic versions of each of these songs. And I think the way that they, they translate, um, kind of stripped down is really neat as well. I, I appreciate the fact that they, uh, that they don't do, um, you know, if, if you go on YouTube and look at their acoustic versions, a lot of times they're not really acoustic versions. They're, they're stripped down with almost clean effects on their guitars. And, um, 
and still have some instrumentation to them. And they were one of the first bands that I saw that actually did that really, really well. And so it was still a completely different version of their song, but but musically they still retained their sound. Um, they didn't really cop out and grab an acoustic guitar and go through some vocals that clearly didn't match an acoustic guitar. Um, they really they looked at their sound, they looked at their band, and figured out how they could make almost a completely different version of the song for kind of more of a more intimate setting. And and I think that Lynn Gunn in her vocals does a really good job too. Of like she still maintains the strength and the power behind her vocals when they do that. Um, and I appreciate that about her as a vocalist because a lot of vocalists will come in and, and try to make those heavier screaming parts more like falsetto type type things. And I, and I appreciate the fact that she she kept with the strength of her voice. Um, Lacey Sturm of Flyleaf or the old Flyleaf does the exact same thing. Solo stuff now too, um, awesome. And she does do solo stuff, but it's completely different. She doesn't scream anymore. That's not true. Um, she does scream in some of it. And not I guess Flyleaf that's true. scream, but she does. But I will be 100% honest, the moment that she dropped out of Flyleaf is the moment that I stopped listening to her music, which is probably terrible of me. Yeah, but, that's um, probably most people. You know, but, I, but I think maintaining vocal integrity and, and knowing when, when to kind of cut things back, but also knowing the strength of your voice and knowing you know, that you can still hit home when you want to hit home um, is a good thing to have as a vocalist. So, you know, good and bad things. Um, or not necessarily bad, but just differences in opinion. Um, when it comes to how this song and this record as a as a whole was produced. Yeah, and I'd be curious to in in a future episode of our nameless podcast, name pending podcast. Name, name um, pending. To maybe go and listen to another track, maybe like you and I off of their newer album and seeing how that translates because i bet because they got signed between those two albums so i bet between those two albums the mix got improved a lot and i bet even some of the writing cohesiveness got improved a lot so it'd be nice to go listen to that and see see what that feels like well that's three songs if we put all three in the podcast we'll have to see after editing what what makes it in and what doesn't but uh if you only hear two or one it's because we said something horrible and nefarious and think poorly of us because we said it <laughs> i'm just kidding i think we should do a, a cold cut and just and just randomly cut it off at the end of one of our words like even the word i literally just typed lyrics into google like that was going to give me anything 